I've got to get something off my chest, and I hope you don't mind my intruding on you this way. But look, one of the most important consequences of an election is its effect on conventional wisdom about what the losing political party ought to do in order to win. After the Democrats' loss on Tuesday of the Virginia gubernatorial election and near loss in New Jersey, I'm hearing a new narrative about Democrats' failure with the white working class and what Democrats need to do to get working class voters back. It goes something like this. Democrats should stop focusing on policies that improve the economic well-being of working class voters. Because time and again, these voters vote against their economic interests in favor of cultural and value-laden pitches. They point uh, to Glenn Youngkin's campaign in Virginia, uh, centered on parental control of public schools and the threat of so-called critical race theory. In today's New York Times, David Leonard points out that mostly non-college voters who make up most of the electorate quote, tend to be more religious, more outwardly patriotic, more culturally conservative than college graduates, unquote. And he quotes fellow Times columnist and pollster Nate Cohen that college graduates have instilled increasingly liberal cultural norms while gaining the power to nudge the Democratic Party to the left. Partly as a result, says Cohn, large portions of the Democratic Party's traditional working class base have defected to the Republicans. Leonard adds that these defections have increased over the past decade, and he suggests that Democratic candidates start listening to working class concerns about crime and political correctness, their mixed feelings about immigration and abortion laws, and their beliefs in God and in a strong America. Okay. Well, if it is culture over and over economics, the logical extension of this argument is Democrats should go all the way and play the cultural card that Republicans have used for years to inflame the white working class. Racism. Make no mistake, Glenn Youngkin's campaign against critical race theory, which isn't even taught in Virginia schools, comes out of the same disgraceful dog-whistle tradition that Republicans have been using for years. But that's not the only thing that's wrong with this new culture-over-economics narrative about what Democrats ought to do to woo back the working class. Look, the truth is Democrats never offered the working class real economic gains. Before Biden, Democrats had control over the White House and both houses of Congress during the first terms of both Bill Clinton's and Barack Obama's presidencies. In that time, they scored some important victories, such as the Affordable Care Act and an expanded earned income tax credit. But here's the thing. Both Bill Clinton and Barack Obama ardently pushed for free trade agreements without providing the millions of blue-collar workers who thereby lost their jobs any means of getting new ones that paid at least as well. Clinton and Obama stood by as corporations hammered trade unions, the backbone of the white working class. Clinton and Obama both refused to spend their political capital reforming labor laws to impose meaningful penalties on companies that violated them or enable workers to form unions with a simple up or down vote. Look, I was there. I saw this. At least under Clinton, I saw it under Obama. 
Partly as a result, union membership sunk from 22% of all workers when Bill Clinton was elected president to fewer than 11% today. And the working class lost the bargaining leverage it needed to get a larger share of the economy's gains. In addition, the Obama administration protected Wall Street from the consequences of the street's gambling addition through a giant taxpayer-funded bailout. But the Obama administration let millions of underwater homeowners drown. Both Bill Clinton and Barack Obama also allowed antitrust enforcement to ossify, with the result that large corporations have grown far larger and major industries more concentrated. And they turned their backs on campaign finance reform. In 2008, Obama was the first presidential nominee since Richard Nixon to reject public financing in his primary and general election campaigns, and he never followed up on his re-election campaign promise to pursue a constitutional amendment overturning Citizens United versus FEC, the 2010 Supreme Court opinion opening the floodgates to big money in politics. So <coughs> what happens, excuse me, what happens when you combine freer trade, shrinking unions, Wall Street bailouts, growing corporate market power, and the abandonment of campaign finance reform? I mean, what do, you, what, what do you expect is going to happen? You shift political and economic power to the wealthy, and you shaft the working class. Adjusted for inflation, American workers are earning almost as little today as they did 30 years ago, even though the American economy is more than three times larger. What well, let's just look at what's happened to Biden's agenda for working people, including lower prescription drug prices, paid family leave, free community college. All of these have been scrapped. And much of the rest of his, his agenda is endangered. Why is that? Because of the power of big money. Big Pharma blocked prescription drug reform. A handful of Democratic senators backed by big money have refused to support paid family leave, and so on, down the list. As early as the 1980s, the Democratic Party began drinking from the same campaign funding trough as the Republican Party from big corporations, Wall Street, very wealthy. Tony Coelho, who was the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee of the 1980s, when Democrats assumed they would continue to run the House for years, what did he say? He said, business has to deal with us whether they like it or not because we are the majority. Coelho's Democrats soon achieved a, a rough parity with Republicans in contributions from corporate and Wall Street campaign coffers, but the deal proved to be a Faustian bargain as Democrats became financially dependent on big corporations and Wall Street. Look, nothing in politics is ever final. Democrats could still win back the white working class, the working class as a whole, putting together a huge coalition of the working class and poor whites, blacks, Latinos, everyone who has been shafted by the huge shift in wealth and power in the United States to the top. This would give Democrats the political clout to restructure the economy rather than merely enact palliatives that paper over the increasing concentration of wealth and power in America. 
But to do this, Democrats would have to end their financial dependence on big corporations, Wall Street, and the wealthy. And they would have to stop telling the convenient story that the American working class cares more about cultural issues than about getting a better deal in an economy that's been delivering working people a worsening and worsening deal for four decades. Okay, I've got it out of my system, at least for the time being.